Folks, this is police off the cuff. We're going to join the press conference that's right in uh, progress right now in regards to the shooting in Lewiston, Maine. Xavier, uh, for the city of Lewiston, uh, and some other members of his command staff are present. Uh, what I will say to the city of Lewiston, you know this because you feel it every day, uh, but you're lucky to have uh, a chief like uh, Chief uh, St. Pierre and his entire law enforcement agency uh, from every level, both officers, uh, put their heart and their soul on the line on behalf of their community uh, last night and into today. And they're doing it for the right reasons. They do it because they care. Uh, so the city of Lewiston and truly our co-responder family across the state of Maine is lucky uh, to have Dave and his team uh, in the mix uh, with us. Uh, and we're also going to hear from Colonel William Ross from Maine State Police. Uh, and Bill will highlight some of the timeline uh, things that you're probably uh, uh, concerned about and certainly interested in from a story perspective. Uh, so the Colonel will come up and speak to that. And we'll also have uh, Jody Cohen. And Jody is the special agent in charge for the FBI out of the Boston field office. Uh, and Jody will highlight some of those federal partnerships and some of the things that our federal partners are bringing to the table, bringing to bear to help us uh, with this investigation. Uh, we also have a bunch of people here. Uh, once you start naming people, you're going to have a problem because you're going to get somebody to screw something up. But uh, I would also tell you that a couple of our other federal partners are here. Uh, Kevin Neal, uh, he's the U.S. Marshal for the District of Maine. We also have James Ferguson. Uh, and Jim is the Special Agent in Charge from the ATF uh, for the Boston Field Division. They are heavily invested with staff along with the FBI, uh, and we can't thank them enough uh, for all that they're doing on behalf of our state. I would also tell you that uh, we are going to close with a brief Q&A, uh, and we're going to try to get some of those questions out there. We appreciate your time, your patience, your professionalism, your partnership, and getting this information out. Uh, I would think that those questions are going to be brief, because uh, again, we do have a suspect at large. And while you can help us with that, we also need to get back to our team to push forward on that. So with that in mind, uh, I would be back up to the podium to kind of steer that a little bit. Uh, but for starters, I would like to have Chief St. Pierre join me. Thank you, Director Sashak, um, and welcome media, media partners. Uh, and thank you, Governor Mills, for those kind words. Uh, I'm gonna keep this short. Um, what I would like the very most is to express our deepest sympathies to the families and friends of the victims in, of this heinous crime. This is truly a, tra tra a tragedy that goes beyond comprehension. I'm confident in our community, that our community has and will continue to come together throughout this endeavor to bring this to a successful conclusion. Although difficult, I do ask the public to continue to be mindful of their own personal safety and also that they be patient with the process as much as possible. There is extensive work and attention to detail that goes into such a large scale investigation. I'm confident in the expertise and professionalism of our investigators and all law enforcement officials that are currently involved. This is an all hands-on deck approach. We have a great deal of collaboration and resources that have been made available to us. There are far too many to name individually, uh, but I think Director Sasha uh, named quite a few appropriately. Um, there are far too many, as I've stated, but they're all appreciated more than you know. I want to thank all of our brave men and women of the Lewiston Police Department, Fire Department staff, medical personnel, first responders of any kind that have gone, that came from far and wide and have come together and continue to work tirelessly in bringing the situation to an end. We hope to locate and hold the person accountable.
they are taking the lead in this investigation, although that we are working hand in hand with them. I think Colonel Ross will be able to fill you in on a little bit more. Thank you, Chief. Um, first and foremost, this is an ongoing homicide investigation and search for the person that is responsible for it. We're in the early stages of this investigation. And uh, I just want to let you know, we will have updates. We'll be putting some type of a schedule out uh, later on. But again, early stages of a homicide investigation, we want to be careful that we're doing things correctly. We want to get ahead of ourselves. Um, I'm going to give you a, a bit of a timeline here to kind of fill in some of the blanks and give you some of the facts as we know them right now. Um, a lot of this information will then be transferred to the Attorney General's office as they will be the lead prosecutor, uh, again, in any homicide investigation. Last night, uh, October 25th at approximately 6.56 p.m., the Auburn Communications Center received a 911 call of a male shooting in just-in-time or the spare time um, recreation center uh, in the town of Lewiston, located at 24 Mollison Way in Lewiston. Shortly after that, at about 7.08 p.m., the communication center received multiple 911 calls about an active shooter inside of a Schmenji's Billiards at 553 Lincoln Street in the town of Lewiston. A large law enforcement response from multiple surrounding agencies assisted the Lewiston Police Department in trying to identify uh, who this individual was and what was happening. As you can imagine, this was a very fast-paced, uh, fast-moving, very fluid scene, very dangerous scene that these guys and girls were going into. 18 people are now deceased uh, at this time. The victims at the just-in-time establishment, seven people are deceased there, one female and six males, all from an apparent gunshot wound. Victims at the Schmegley's Billiards, eight are deceased. Seven males inside the establishment, one male outside of the establishment. Again, also apparent gunshot wounds. Said multiple people were transferred to area hospitals, Central Maine Medical Center, St. Mary's, and Maine Medical Center. Three people that were transferred to those hospitals uh, are deceased, for a total of 18 people deceased at this time. The investigation uh, into the person responsible for this identified a vehicle located at the Project Scott boat landing in Lisbon. That person through the registration of that vehicle was identified, as been stated earlier, as a Robert Carr, born in 1983. Um, several of the deceased have been identified and their families next of kin have been notified. Uh, approximately eight people at this point have been identified. 10 people, 10 of these victims, still need to be identified at this time. Um, currently, there is an arrest warrant for eight counts of murder for Mr. Card. Um, and the reason it's eight counts because 10 people have not yet been identified. As those people are identified, uh, the counts will probably go to the total of 18. Um, he should be considered armed and dangerous. 
Based on our investigation, we believe this is someone that should not be approached. This is someone that should be, um, if you come into any contact with this individual or someone you think looks like this individual, you are to call 911 and I'll provide some tip line numbers uh, at the conclusion of my briefing. Lewiston Police Department, federal, state, county, other local municipalities are involved in a coordinated search at this moment for this individual. So it's the ongoing investigation and there's a, a search to apprehend this person both happened simultaneously. I can't stress this enough. This is an ongoing investigation in the early stages. More information will come out uh, in conjunction with the, the Attorney General's office as the lead prosecutor. Um, we can't share all of our information right now, and I'm sure you understand that. I'm going to give out two numbers that go to a tip line. Um, 911 is also appropriate for this, but if anyone can call these two numbers, this would go to the state police tip line. Area code 207-213-9526, 207-509-9002. And we'll be sending something out later that has that information in it if uh, you weren't able to grab that now. Again, uh, this is a very fluid situation. We have a lot of resources, as Chief Saint-Pierre uh, had mentioned earlier, that are on the ground uh, in a coordinated effort to apprehend this individual. Um, we notified the Department of Education, and they have determined what they're going to do with the schools. A lot of schools, area schools, were shut down today based on our conversation with them. Again, as more information comes in, we'll provide it to you. Um, thank you for your time. This is a very difficult time for, I think, the, the community of Boston, difficult time for obviously the, the, the victims' families, and it's a, big, it's a tough time for law enforcement. It was a rough night last night, um, but uh, we're committed to bringing, you know, whoever's responsible this to justice, and again, we are currently looking for Mr. Card right now, someone that we'd like to apprehend. Thank you. Thank you, Colonel. And FBI Special Agent in Charge, Cohen, you can join me, please. Thank you. My name is Jody Cohen. I'm the Special Agent in Charge of FBI Boston Division, which covers the state of Maine. Our hearts go out to everyone who was impacted as a result of the senseless violence. The FBI is working hand-in-hand -hand with our law enforcement partners our evidence returns team is here processing a very extensive teams. We are providing investigative and tactical support, as well as our victim specialists are working with those affected by this tragedy. As this very active investigation continues to unfold, we're asking the public to stay vigilant and come forward with any information that you might have that you feel is helpful to our investigators. My pledge is that the FBI will carry out this investigative case with rigor. We will work day and night alongside our law enforcement partners to get the answers to the questions this community deserves. We thank the public for your continued cooperation and patience as we continue to work this very active investigation. Thank you. Appreciate that. And I would say that uh, the reality here from a resource standpoint is that when we've asked for anything, the answer has been yes, period. Uh, tactical teams, evidence response teams, 
uh, full-blown investigative units, detective units uh, that have come from multiple states, uh, whether it's the commissioners from uh, Vermont and New Hampshire reaching out to me directly, Massachusetts saying, what do you need, Mike? What can we do for the state of Maine? So we are now prepared uh, to try to take a few questions uh, and keep in mind, again, that we may not be able to answer uh, uh, as in-depth as you would like, and uh, we don't plan on uh, taking a great deal of questions. I think follow-up uh, press events will allow for that. Sir? So I, no one has really talked about the fact that we have this kind of scare. Um, they are The other thing here is there are reports that this individual had mental health issues, that he made threats to shoot up uh, the National Guard. So clearly there were some signs here that he was on someone's radar. And the question becomes, why was he in possession of this weapon? Uh, and certainly, why wasn't he stopped uh, soon? Yeah, I think those are all valid questions, and certainly questions that we are looking into now, uh, but not questions that we can answer uh, today. Uh, considering that this occurred last night, uh, there's still an active search for the suspect in question. Uh, so I appreciate those questions, but uh, not something we're going to be able to answer right now. It is certainly uh, one of those things that we want to follow up on, all why, aspects of that. Why did the Go ahead, right here. Yes. I'm not sure we have that information with us today. Uh, we wanted to break it down uh, by gender. Uh, because that's something we had readily available. Uh, we did not break this down into age ranges uh, at all. So what can you tell yes. us, what can you tell us about the background of the suspect in this case, or I should say the person of interest, because I noticed the language is very clear. You're saying person of interest, not suspect. So why use that terminology, and what can you tell us about his background? Yeah, I think we used person of interest last night uh, for half of the room that was here for that press event. Uh, as the colonel had mentioned, there is now arrest warrants for murder. Uh, for this particular individual, Mr. Carr. Uh, so he is viewed as a suspect, and there is a full court press by all of our partners uh, to bring him into custody. What was the second piece yeah, of that what, question? What can you tell us about his background? Uh, uh, wanted to ask a second ago about the idea that you know he had voiced concerns about his own mental health, right? Mm -hmm. Had been committed, according to language in a case bulletin, to a mental health facility for weeks. How could someone that fits that profile still be in possession of semi-automatic weapons? Well, I do think that the statutes around firearms and the possession of those are pretty complex. I know that we'll, we will be reviewing that information as we move forward, but that's not an answer that we're prepared to give today. But that leads to motive. You're talking about behavioral health issues and how that impacts the situation. Uh, I would expect you'll hear back from us on that uh, in the future. Right here, yeah, I, I, I've got a question about using helicopters with the car and looking at it. Um, can you tell us anything about the Yeah, sure. So we have law enforcement assets that are deployed over a number of communities doing follow-ups on a number of different things. Uh, so as you can imagine, uh, there's a great deal of search warrants that we're following up on. We do have partners that helicopters from the New Hampshire State Police. That copter was here last night to assist us as well. Uh, so whether we have tactical elements out or we're searching an area, some of those uh, air assets would be very, very valuable. So that's what they're doing. We're not going to speak to what brings us to a specific community one way or the other. Yes, ma'am. Right here. Identifying the unidentified victim. What are people in the community? Is there, there may be, you know, people from family members who may have loved ones, or what is that? Yeah, so we did have a, a family uh, a reunification center open last night. We do have behavioral health uh, liaisons that are fully engaged to work with families and work with loved ones. 
uh, and work with victims for that matter that may be in the hospital and, and uh, seek the treatment. So those things are actively occurring. We are dealing with each one of those situations separately. So do we need DNA on that? Are we just waiting to, to find uh, a loved one, uh, some kind of family member that we can make a notification? I think that varies across the board. I'm gonna take two more questions. Right here. Yeah, so there's some sort of triggering event. I think we're always uh, concerned around motive. That you say triggering event, that's a motive for us. Uh, again, that's not something we're prepared to discuss uh, today, but I do appreciate the question. It's clearly something that's important. Can I get one additional follow-up from you? Can you help us understand why these locations, why this bar, why the bowling alley? What's the location of someone? I think that does speak to motive, so I appreciate the follow-up, but not something we're going to be prepared to answer today. I have one more question. Right here. Right here. You say it's hard to talk to you about Well, we're actively searching for them. If I if I knew the answers to those questions, that uh, this would be a different press conference. I would uh, assume. So uh, we don't know his location, uh, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, and we are working with the attorney general's office. So, so with that in mind, uh, we're, we're done taking questions for now. So we are going to actually take off at this point. Thank you very much for being here. Sir, have there been any questions? I mean, we've not really gotten many so, folks, that's the uh, the press conference. A lot of um, questions were answered. Uh, you can imagine uh, how horrific this must be for a community to have a, a shooting like this. Uh, they confirmed the numbers for the first time, and the numbers actually can all also change as, as people uh, that were wounded perhaps succumb, uh, unfortunately, to the to the gunshot wounds. Um, the numbers that they gave was 18 dead and 13 injured. Just absolutely horrific. Um, how are they going to uh, move on as a community? Uh, and and the, the horrible thing right now is that this individual named, and again, they, they now use the terminology, he's, he's a perp, he's a wanted perp. They have eight different arrest warrants for the eight, uh, homicide victims who have been identified. And as you see on the screen, his name is Robert Card. Uh, he's a trained firearms instructor. He's believed to be uh, in the Army Reserve. Uh, apparently, he had made threats. He's got a, a mental health history, uh, made, made threats to shoot up a National Guard base in Maine. Uh, Local law enforcement is now, this is updated, is naming him. He is absolutely uh, a suspect. And we had some better pictures of him uh, as the night wore on. Uh, the, the, the pictures, uh, obviously, from the video of the, uh, the, the actual cameras at the locations. You know, some of the questions <laughs> that were asked also was, why did he choose these two locations is their significance to that and they were uh Shemengi's bar and the um spartan recreation bowling alley now is there some reason why he chose those two locations and they were not ready or they weren't able uh to uh to to say why he chose those locations in these situations 
these incidents are always uh, fluid. They're always moving. That's why when we we came on the air last night, uh, as this was unfolding, and usually uh, 60%, 70% of the information that comes out is absolute nonsense because you get you get people so somewhat just hearing things and not vetting things. Uh, as you recall, last night they had put it out there that 22 were dead and 50 to 60 injured. Now they've revised that to actually 18 dead, which is a horrific number also, and um, 13 injured, but certainly not 50 to 60 injured. So this is always changing, always fluid, and we want to the, the obviously the goal with all of this is that we apprehend this guy, and he's uh, he's a he's a adversary that is quite dangerous. He fled this scene. Does he have other locations, other caches of weapons? Uh, now the the state police, the FBI, they're going to be loaded up for bear, wearing their tactical vests and. Of course, having their own uh, weapons of, of of choice that will match his weapons, but it, he's a very dangerous since he is a firearms instructor, very familiar. He's trained in National Guardsmen, so he's a an adversary that is quite uh, quite scary. A man on underway in Maine right now for the gunman who opened fire on a bar and bowling alley, killing multiple people last night. We are learning more about the person of interest this morning. Robert Card, reportedly 40 years old, believed to be a trained firearm instructor and member of the Army Reserve. According to reports, Card spent two weeks at a mental health facility over the summer. Police say he recently reported mental health issues, including, quote, hearing voices and threats to shoot up a military base in Saco, Maine. That's right. Card was last known to be driving a white Subaru Outback with a black bumper. Police say the vehicle was discovered near a boat dock in Lisbon, Maine. And moments ago, officials expanded the shelter-in-place order for residents as police continue their search for Card. Authorities are set to give an update on the tragedy at 10.30 a.m. Eastern time this morning. With that, let's bring morning. in Marine veteran and former FBI agent Rob D'Amico. Rob, uh, good morning to you. If this man is still alive, I mean, given his background as a somebody who is a, a trained professional with weapons, has a military background, if he is still alive, what are police up against right now? Well, it, there's two cases. One, if he's still in the vehicle trying to get distance from this location. And I think that's probably safer uh, for the hunt. If he's on the ground and they have to go on the ground and, and walk around and look for him, I think it's a lot more dangerous for the police officers involved. Uh, reminds me of the, the search for Eric Rudolph where we were walking through the mountains in North Carolina. And basically the only way we were going to figure out we were on him was probably one of us was going to get shot. So I, I think that's the danger. If he's in a vehicle, it could turn into a, a vehicle chase, which I think is safer for the police as opposed to going through the woods looking for a, a person who is well-armed, who has training, and who has already killed. Yeah. Now the focus becomes gathering information. Describe the delicate balance that investigators are going through right now with regard to the victims. I mean, so many of these victims are in a hospital. They've just undergone the worst tragedy of their lives, yet they are crucial to providing information to try and tracking this guy down. Describe that delicate balance that the investigators are experiencing. 
Well, I, I think uh, actually the investigation of the, the witnesses, I don't know if many of them are going to be able to provide uh, accurate information on where, he, where he's at. I think family members can. I think one of the family members actually got, when they first figured out who it was, kind of said, well, you need to also look at this other, I think it was another restaurant or bar that he may have said something about. So I think the, the witnesses that are injured, I think you want to have law enforcement get in front of them to get their statement so it's, it's fresh on their mind. Obviously, with medical uh, attention uh, not needed at that point, if, if it is. But what you really want to do is start. You know, folks, obviously, this was a, a well-planned, uh, well-executed attack on these two locations. So we must also um, surmise that he has a well-executed plan of escape including potentially collecting other weapons and going to other locations, possibly another vehicle standing by so that he could go to other locations. So it is so important that law enforcement does a very thorough investigation. Many things they can find out about him, obviously on the computer, high-tech databases, um, see any locations that he's ever lived vehicles that he owns, locations that are common to him. Obviously, they know he owns firearms. Uh, so it's a full court press. I'm sure that they have uh, all the federal units necessary, the ATF, the FBI, fugitive enforcement, all these boots on the ground. So it's a full court press, as they say in law enforcement. And this guy is not, not to be played with. I mean, it seems like we just recently were on the case of escaped uh, prisoner Danilo Cavalcante, and who was at large in Pennsylvania for over two weeks. Let's hope that this individual, Robert Card, is caught expeditiously as he's a, a much more dangerous individual than Danilo Cavalcante. Start looking at social media. You want to start looking at cellular uh, things like that to find out where he may be going. You may want to look at, talk to his, his uh, family and say, is there any place that he's talked about that he has some type of uh, attachment to that he may be going? Again, when you're looking at the mental illness, something may mean something to him that he's actually going for. And then they can look at if, if he has a vehicle, um, maybe something in that vehicle has a tracking device on it. So many of them do now. Um, even a satellite radio, if, it, if that vehicle has XM radio or something along those lines, help start looking at which way he's going. Yeah, and you mentioned a family member. Fox News already spoke to his sister-in-law. And when uh, the reporter spoke to her, the report is that she took a big sigh and said, yes, he is my brother-in-law. My children and I are with police right now. I don't have any further comment at this time. So that does prove that police are already talking to his family members. And also police say that they are aware that he may have a scanner as well as be tracking law enforcement moves. Yeah, with his background, I wouldn't be surprised. He, he's planned this. This he's Whatever he did, he's, he's thought about, he's, he, it's gone through his head. Um, you know, why wasn't he wearing a mask, someone that had said before? Well, he, he didn't care about his appearance. He didn't care about being found out. And that may lend itself to he wants a showdown with police, or uh, if he gets cornered by police, it might be suicide or suicide by cop. Um, but he didn't care about his appearance. He's gone through this whole thing 
this was planned in his head um, and probably where he's going or what he wants at the end of it has also been thought of before. Based on his two-week stay in a mental facility just a few months ago, I mean, summer of 2023, literally just a few months ago, why was he out on the street with a gun? Uh, I mean, that, that you're going to have to uh, roll back and try to figure out. Was, was there something, they're going to have to look at the laws, was there something someone could have done um, or, or it just, it is mind-boggling. You know, this is a question that everyone always asks. Why is someone with a history or, or, or known mental illness, why, if he did two weeks in a mental hospital, why didn't they look into the fact that this Robert Card owns guns? And why didn't they remove his guns? So that's a question for the investigators. That's a question for them to look into. However, right now, that's not something uh, that they're going to be able to answer right away. You know, with all of these uh, situations, the it's fluid. All the information is fluid. And as I say all the time, if you want quick information, they'll give it to you. If you want accurate information, you're going to have to wait. And that's the key. You're going to have to wait to answer those questions because guess what? Law enforcement does not have the answers to that right now. And, you know, a lot of times that's why so much bad information was put out last night. Last night, the information was 22 dead, 50 to 60 injured. The number now is 18. Horrific number. Way too many. Horrible. 18 dead and uh, 13 injured. So that's a hell of a lot different than 22 dead and 50 to 60 injured. The other thing is that only eight at this time, at the time of the press conference, only eight so far have been identified and their families notified. So we have to keep that in mind also. Those are the priorities to law enforcement, to getting the victims uh, identified and the next of kin and the families notified. So all these questions about why, because he was at a mental history, why were those questions will be answered. However, not right now, because it's not the most important thing. The most important thing on a list of most important is apprehending this guy. That's the number one most important thing. And of course, I don't want to go through the numbers of what the second, third, but identifying the victims so that the families can be identified. That is so, so important. And uh, I'm going to go back to uh, Fox News to hear this FBI agent give his take. Everyone, this is the clearest case of he made threats, he had weapons, he had training, and he talked about shooting, and still he was out on the street with a gun. So I don't know what went wrong. I don't know what the laws are exactly up there. Uh, can they take the weapon? If they can, how long can they keep it? What defines uh, all those things in there? So I think they're going to have to roll it back and figure out, hey, was something missed? Was yeah. Did someone say he could be out there or, or not do something? It, it's it's one of the clearest examples of who shouldn't have a gun. Yeah, absolutely. Clearly something was missed unless this gun uh, was illegal, which is also an option. And we will definitely find that out in the uh, days and weeks to come. Uh, we're also getting eyewitness accounts. One bowler who identified himself as Brandon spoke to the Associated Press. He said he thought 
at first it was balloons popping. Uh, it was about 10 shots he heard. He thought it was balloons, but then he saw this man with a gun and ran. He said he was sliding down the bowling alley as he was running, and then he hid in the machinery. He's one of the lucky ones, but there are others who were not. And now police are dealing with two separate crime scenes four miles apart from each other, innocent victims inside, an untold number of them. What are police going to be doing in investigating these two crime scenes? So I, I think that's where a lot of the federal and state uh, agencies are going to help out. Obviously, this town doesn't have the, the resources to do two huge crime scenes like that. So I think uh, the FBI is going to be bringing the evidence response teams up there. Uh, the main state police will be bringing them down here. And that's where they're going to be really helping out the locals in processing those crime scenes because those are huge. Yeah. And, and they, they probably, based on where the vehicle was and where he went, uh, the crime scenes could be blocks long, depending on the evidences out there. So I think the federal agencies right. and state agencies are really going to come together. They're going to put, uh, you know, they're going to have a working right. group and a command post, and they're going to divvy up who's Got doing it. what and how it's being done. Um, and the thing with the crime scenes, yeah, you don't yeah, have sorry. to. We, we got to against the hard Well, you know, folks, what they're talking about now, of course, are the two separate crime scenes. So important that they process the crime scenes. At this point, horrifically, you can imagine some of the bodies of the victims are probably still on the scene there because if they went, and I hate to use this language, but it's police language, if they went DOA on the scene, they're not going to remove them from the scene. They're going to stay in the crime scene. Only the other people that were wounded would be removed from the scene. So you can imagine two distinct and separate crime scenes that are horrific. And uh, the town of Lewiston, Maine, surely doesn't have the um, the resources in their own town to process these type of crime scenes. They may need the Maine State Police, the FBI, uh, all the federal agencies, all the alphabet for ATF, alcohol, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, FBI, uh, of course, the Fugitive Enforcement Division, because I said on a scale of one to 10, the number one most important thing right now is to apprehend this guy. This is an extremely dangerous individual. Uh, the fact that he's so familiar with weapons, the fact that he's a trained soldier uh, makes him an adversary that we haven't seen in, in, in a very long time in this country. Uh, no doubt he had a plan. His plan included how to escape an escape route. Most likely he has more weapons along his escape route. We don't know what else his plan includes. So the FBI, the ATF, the local police, the state police, all going after this guy, they need a plan. And these are trained, trained uh, tactical officers that are trained to do this type of work. Folks, joining me right now uh, is uh, straight out of Brooklyn, uh, my co-host today, uh, Phil Grimaldi. Phil, welcome to the show. A very somber day. Uh, one of the things, if anything happened in this case that, uh, and you can't even say, say it's good, it's just that the numbers were changed from 22 uh, dead that was reported last night and uh, to 18, which is still a, a horrific number. And- Last night, they were throwing out the number 50 to 60 people 
were injured or wounded, and now that's dropped to 13. So we spoke about how these situations are fluid. Typically, the information that gets out there is not accurate. This press conference, uh, the numbers have changed. Apparently, only eight of those 18 have been identified so far. So there's 10 that have not. There's 10 families that don't know that their loved ones uh, are one of the victims in these cases. Just an unbelievably tragic situation. Yes, absolutely, Billy. It's a somber day. It's a somber day for uh, Lewiston, Maine. It's a somber day for the United States. Uh, these type of shootings uh, just happen too often. Uh, again, uh, we're, we're tying it to a mental health issue from what we know about this individual. Um, thank God that the numbers did go down. I wish they went down to zero. However, that uh, that injury number was uh, between 50 and 60 being reported last night. Now it's down to uh, 13. Thank God. Uh, hopefully all of those individuals re will recover. Uh, still 18 lives lost. Terrible. Um, to me, it seems like um, these locations were specifically targeted by this uh, Mr. Card. And uh, I think that... Uh, Perhaps uh, there's more, a lot more on the table that law enforcement isn't sharing. Um, my only hope is that since he hasn't been captured in uh, as many hours as, it, as this has been going on, that perhaps he may have taken his own life. I, I don't want to wish that someone kills themselves, but in this situation, I don't want to see anyone else injured, hurt, or killed. Um, so perhaps... Uh, you know, maybe uh, uh, that could be one of the components of this thing. Uh, it sounds like law enforcement is right on top of everything. Uh, again, uh, when you saw that uh, that news clip with Bobby Chacon, he was talking about if someone sees something out of place, since this individual may be, uh, you know, he may have survival skills, he may be uh, running through backyards and, and running through areas to try and hide from law enforcement. If you see something that's out of place, report it. Don't try to, uh, you know, investigate it yourself. Uh, if there's an open door in a garage, something of that nature, do not uh, try and, uh, you know, uh, investigate yourself. Just call 911, obviously. This is the scanner audio from last night. We'll just play a, a bit of this. What are they got? Shooter, um, all away at the bowling place. Going to be a male, black hair with a hoodie. Look like a rifle. He said white male with a shirt around the back with a beard and a rifle. So we're going to divert our units to Schmengi. Schmengi's right now, another active shooter there. Seven, I don't know if any description has been given out for the Schmengi's one, but again, a black sweatshirt, male with black sweatshirt, last seen headed toward the treatment plant. That's all she could tell me. Seven, counting on multiple victims, I think, multiple victims, I need every unit you can find. County communications to all county rescue, standby for activation, multiple victims for an active shooter in the town of Lewiston. So we had two separate active shooter incidents. First one will be at spare time. Second one, Smengies, that's where all the ASO units are. It's going to be spare time recreation for an active shooter incident. And that's going to be the town of Wilson at spare time recreation for an active shooter incident. Multiple people down. Have PD on scene, but the suspect is still at large. I need you to respond to 24 Mollison Way. 2-4 Mollison Way at spare time. Get an active shooter situation going on there. Multiple patients. To respond to the town of Wilson for two active shooter locations. One's going to be at spare time recreation. The second will be at Schmendi. Again, the town of Wilson for active shooter incidents. All available units.
So Phil, I mean that's that's chilling. Just hearing that gives you uh, gives you the chills and just it's just so heartbreaking. But he the first location was the spare time recreation. That was at 6:56 p.m. last night, and 14 minutes later he was at Shemengi's bar. So obviously he targeted these two locations. And when we think that. 18 people are dead now, and they did give the breakdown of each location. They didn't give the breakdown as per uh, the ages or anything like that, but, I mean, all of that stuff will come out. But 14 minutes between locations, uh, that is significant because it appears that, of course, as you said earlier, he targeted those two locations. Absolutely, Billy. And, when, and uh, the, the first location, I think, was 656. And uh, apparently he leaves there. <clears throat> it, I think it's uh, 708 is when the next uh, uh, 911 calls are coming in. So, again, uh, it's not like he went to that location, uh, went outside and, and went very close to uh, another location to start shooting some more. He traveled a distance of about, like you said, 12 or 14 minutes, whatever it is. Uh, and he went to that second location. Um, I believe there was a report that uh, when they spoke to some family members, they mentioned the third location that they think should be secured that uh, he may have frequented or, or something of that nature. So again, uh, the investigation part of this, where we're talking to family members, talking to friends, perhaps could shed light on his location at this point. Uh, he met, he must have spoken about that third location or there had to be a reason that that family member said uh, that police should go there and try and, and secure that location. So again, uh, maybe he's disgruntled with uh, these two locations. We don't know. Perhaps there could be um, uh, people that he didn't uh, care for there, or maybe he just knew that it was going to be a busy Wednesday night at a bowling alley. Uh, there was some type of uh, uh, a youth event going on, I believe. Uh, there were bowling leagues there. I think it was a couples league. So again, uh, is it that he knew that there would be a lot of people there? Again, at the bar, perhaps he knew my Wednesday night might have been a, a specific event going on there. Did he target them for that? And again, when the governor spoke about the situation, uh, she made such a, a really uh, powerful point in my mind. Uh, this, th these were people that were trying to enjoy some recreation, you know, finish up at work. We're going to go bowling or we're going to go have a drink in the bar, whatever it is. Uh, and they were taken completely by surprise. This is just such a horrific, horrific uh, situation. Innocence. I mean, you know, uh, like she was saying, she was stressing, uh, you know, people were just out trying to have some fun, a little recreation. And unfortunately, they were met with this uh, horrific uh, disaster. This is uh, the take from MSNBC. Our dead this morning, up to 50 may be injured in the community of Lewiston, well, located uh, about 30 miles. We'd just like to know, to update that there's not yeah. 50 injured, there's 13. Uh, this is the, and we talked about it last night, the information that comes out quickly is usually bad information. But of course, everyone wants quick information, and quick information is never accurate north of Portland, Maine. Police say the gunman entered two separate locations Wednesday night. First, a bowling alley where he fatally shot seven people before moving on to a nearby bar. Some of the victims may have been injured in stampedes as crowds raced to escape as the shooting started. Officials fear many teenagers could be among those killed and injured as the bowling alley was hosting its youth night. 
police have identified now a 40-year-old male as a person of interest in connection with these shootings. He's still at large, considered armed and dangerous with an AR-style rifle. Police say they have located the man's vehicle in the neighboring town of Lisbon, but he was not in it. Residents in the area have been urged to shelter in place. According to a bulletin from law enforcement officials, the man was a military firearms instructor with about 20 years experience of military service. Noted the man recently reported mental health issues to include hearing voices and threats to shoot up the National Guard base in the nearby town of Sacco. It also said he was reported to have been committed to a mental health facility for two weeks this summer and then released. The White House says President Biden, Vice President Harris have been briefed on the active situation. Biden spoke to Maine's governor, the state's congressional representatives last night, and offered the full support of the federal government. In response to the shooting, Maine's Commissioner of Public Safety sought to assure the public they're committed to apprehending the person of interest. We have uh, literally hundreds of police officers working around the state of Maine uh, to investigate this case, to locate Mr. Card, who again is a person of interest and a person of interest only, and we'll continue to gather information. You know, folks, that terminology has also been changed. He is now a wanted perpetrator. Uh, there's eight arrest warrants for the eight people that have been identified I just, you know, I, I sometimes have a problem when they know that it's a certain individual and they use that language, person of interest. I, I never was comfortable or liked that language. It was almost clear from minute one they knew who this guy was, but they used that language, person of interest. And I, I, I don't really un understand uh, why they're so reluctant to say, this is who we're looking for. So that we can bring uh, the suspect to justice and ultimately uh, seek prosecution uh, down the road. Let's get right to the ground in Lewiston, Maine. That's where we find NBC's Emma Barnett. Emma, what's the latest there? Yeah, hey, Willie. So I'm standing right in front of the bowling alley where the gunman went in about 6.30, around 6.30 p.m. last night. 6.56. It has been eerily quiet here in Lewiston. I got here at around uh, 12.30 a.m., and the only people that I have really seen out and about for the most part have been members of the media. I took a drive to the reunification center. The only people there that I saw were media and a couple cars, which I assume belong to the families who were inside. I asked the police officer how many family members are waiting to hear from loved ones and hoping and praying that they are still alive. He was not able to give me that kind of information. And something else that we just learned is that Lisbon school districts are going to be closed. As you mentioned in your intro, Lisbon is where that vehicle was found. The school districts are closed. The town offices are closed. And a lot of people are still sheltering in place. I did meet one woman earlier who she took a nap and woke up around midnight and saw everything that was happening in this town. She lives four miles away and she came here to see what the scene was like and what was going on and she described it as being shocked she was shocked and devastated and just absolutely horrified this is a small town where things like this no one ever expects to happen until they happen and it is just absolutely horrific and tragic emma can you give us a sense of the geography of these shootings here there in lewis you know, Phil, one of the things that uh, from a, a law enforcement perspective, and a lot of times the news just keeps talking because they don't know what they're talking about. But from a law enforcement perspective, and we saw this in the hunt for Danilo Cavalcante, that uh, inmate who uh, escaped from a Pennsylvania prison and was at large for two weeks. 
now what we're really concerned with, of course, we want to capture this guy, but where is he? And I know that I, I'm confident that law enforcement knows a hell of a lot more than we know sitting right here and that the news knows pontificating about all these things that may or may not be important. However, this guy is an adversary that you don't see very often. He's a trained military firearms instructor. He's probably has survival skills. He planned this well, so he could have another vehicle loaded up with other weapons. He could have a location that he's holding up in. It could be in the woods, could be anywhere. But he's a dangerous, dangerous individual. And this area of Lewiston, Maine and the surrounding area cannot rest. They cannot go about their business until this guy is caught. And so where is there a perimeter? Is there a perimeter right now? Well, I think the perimeter would be the whole area where the vehicle was found, obviously. And again, I think uh, you made a lot of great points there, Billy. Perhaps he does have survival skills. He's obviously comfortable with a firearm, probably very accurate since he's a firearm instructor. I think the investigative part of it, looking into his uh, deep dive into his computer, his social media, his telephone, obviously, did he have some plans? Uh, look at credit card purchases. Did he purchase anything knowing he was going to be uh, you know, he was going to be go go going dark and going into uh, survival skills. Did he purchase perhaps uh, protein bars or different things like that of that nature? Again, uh, maybe he uh, Googled spe specific uh, locations in the area that he could possibly hide out in. So, again, all of those things are, are going to be very, very important. I am certain that uh, investigators are digging into that stuff, probably already have, uh, you know, uncovered a lot of different things, like you said. Uh, not everything's on the table. They gave a limited press conference there. They didn't talk a lot about what's uh, uh, the, the activeness of the, of the investigation at this point. But uh, you can surmise from what we know in, in previous cases, these are the things that they would be looking at. You know, folks, we, we hear terms like, uh, and it, it's evident of the times we live in, shelter in place. The first time I ever heard that term was during the Boston Marathon bombings. And now it's been a commonplace language that we understand as the language of living in this country in the 21st century, the reality of shelter in place, because there's a danger. Shutting down schools, locking down schools. How could they open a school today with a, an active shooter on the loose? Well, a madman on the loose, yeah. Right, the answer is they cannot. So until this individual is caught... And Phil mentioned earlier, there is a potential that he committed suicide. Many active shootings end in that way. However, until they find this guy, right. no one can go about their life. No one can go about their business because this is, is the most dangerous type of fugitive you could have. A fugitive that's armed, a fugitive that is trained, and a fugitive that knows how to survive uh, because he's trained uh, as a soldier. And all of these things make him the most competent adversary to law enforcement. And law enforcement, although they are trained uh, to deal with this, it's still a very, very dangerous job for them to go after this guy and to ultimately apprehend him.
Look at that recent case in Pennsylvania with uh, Danilo Cavacanti. I think uh, how long was he on the on the run for, Billy? Over two ten. weeks. Okay, over two weeks. So there you have a person that didn't have any weapons. However, he adapted to the situation. He did must have had some survival skills. He uh, attained different clothing. So again, someone who did planning. I mean, he did that from jail. This is a person that was out on the street, probably had a lot of time to plan. So again, very, very concerning, very dangerous situation. The only thing we can hope for is a quick resolution to it. Uh, I'm sure that every law enforcement agency in Maine is on this. And uh, let's just hope and pray that nobody else gets uh, injured or hurt. So two separate locations. We're looking at a map right now. Uh, first, the, the bowling alley and then south to the bar where they were having a cornhole night, uh, apparently. Uh, went and you know, Phil, they're saying, uh, someone in the chat said that these two locations are four miles apart. The shootings were 14 minutes apart. So he obviously didn't spend a lot of time. He did a shooting and then headed right out yes. to the next location. I mean, that's, uh, that's unbelievable. Obviously, a man on a mission. Yeah. Absolutely. It appears that he had he had those two locations in mind. He went into the first, he left, and then within minutes he's at, at the second location uh, based on the nine one one calls. Uh, so again, uh, he like you said, he was he was intent on what he was going to do. He went to those two locations. He did what he did. He's now in the wind. Uh, you know, uh, we don't know what his next move is going to be. Uh, however, uh, the deep dive into all of his personal uh, stuff, I think, is going to possibly reveal what his next move could be. Shot up those two places. Just about how this played out last night, uh, just before 7 o'clock, according to police. Yeah, so those details are still unraveling. And I also want to mention that in the bowling alley, there was a youth. Uh, it seems to have been a youth night, which just makes this even more tragic that we don't know for sure yet. But people fear that there are young people among the victims and the hospital that a lot of these victims were transported to is just down the road about a mile and a half from here people were also taken to boston and another hospital in maine as well and these details are still emerging and still still coming to the to the surface okay nbc's emma barnett live in lewiston maine for us we'll let you get back out and do some reporting and we will talk to you later uh so mika police say news conference at 10 30 a.m yeah. as of right now where they may be able to provide more information but the headline obviously is this is uh this is after the press conference we got a lot of the information from a press conference uh we'd reiterate that uh 18 people are confirmed dead 13 injured uh, the numbers have been revised from last night where they said 22 uh, and 50 to 60 injured. So if there's anything to be thankful for is that the numbers went down instead of up. However, we don't know the seriousness of the wounds of the 13 people that were listed as injured. In, in any event, again, this is a horrific attack. An active shooter, it seems like we have a, uh, a lot of these incidents in our country. I see many of you people in the chat that are from other countries, Canada, Europe, you can't understand this. And uh, it is hard to understand why someone would do something like this. Um, and I don't want to get into the politics of guns. It's not the day or time to do this. What we need to do is focus on the victims and focus on the investigation and focus on apprehending this guy because uh, we're not going to solve the politics of this uh, 
in a show like this or anyone is going to solve the politics of this. However, these incidents do occur way too frequently. Uh, many could point to mental health. Um, but again, that get, that gets into the political realm. I don't want to do that. We want to think of this community of Lewiston, not it just did 18 people lose their lives, but the whole community now, of course, is wounded by what has occurred here. And how do they get back on track? First of all, you need to grieve. The whole community as a whole needs to grieve over what occurred here. And uh, you can't even imagine how a community can recover from something like this. And uh, there's on the screen the, the picture of Robert Card, who now is no longer a person of interest, is now a wanted perpetrator for eight murders. Eight arrest warrants for murder have been submitted to the um, state attorney general's office, and the full hunt is on for this individual. Hopefully law enforcement has uh, an inkling. They have some kind of uh, inside information of where he went, where he is. They'll have to lock down an entire area in the search for him, uh, have an area that they can contain. We've heard all of that language uh, in the Danilo uh, Cavalcante uh, escape prisoner case in Pennsylvania that lasted for two weeks. Let's hope that this doesn't last that long as this is a much more dangerous individual than Danilo Cavalcante, a trained firearms instructor loaded with uh, a, a an AR-15, I believe it was, a, a weapon like much like that, uh, someone that is trained in how to use it, not only is trained in how to use it, trains other people how to how to uh, shoot. So he is an extremely dangerous adversary. Phil. You know, Billy, uh, there's a couple of things. Listen, uh, the political end of it, when you talk about uh, the, the mental health issue, all of that stuff uh, should be talked about uh, after, uh, you know, uh, this individual is located after uh, the grieving process has begun for the families. Uh, let everybody recoup and then we'll talk about that. But unfortunately in today's world, the media is going to jump all over it. I am sure that today you will see people uh, talking about the second amendment and on and on about that, but that's a conversation for another day. Uh, the other thing, uh, when you're talking about uh, how the numbers have changed and the fluidity of the situation uh, we kind of thought that that was going to be the case. A lot of times there's chaos in the early stages of these things. Uh, misinformation is out there right away. And in the world of 2023 with social media and computers and cell phones, it makes it even worse. When we were back in the day uh, handling situations that were fluid, uh, there was a lot less misinformation put out because there would only be the local media that would uh, try to get information from the police department. Or go to the location. And again, uh, sometimes there was still misinformation then, but it seems like it's much worse today. I'm just glad that the numbers were revised downward and not upward. I think that that's uh, one of the positives that you could pull out of this uh, horrible, horrible situation. But uh, again, you know, uh, when we were reporting last night, it really sounded uh, much more horrific. I'm glad that there's less people injured and less people dead. Well, Phil, I was also glad that he fled and didn't go to other locations and just and keep uh, uh, creating carnage. L uh, last night, um, Ed Davis, who was formerly the police commissioner of Boston, actually during the Boston Marathon bombing, 
Now, some of the information here, of course, now is dated and not timely, but Ed Davis is really a, a real knowledgeable law enforcement commander, and I always like to hear uh, him interviewed and hear what he has to say in these situations. And this is from uh, WBZ, CBS affiliate in Boston. Well, um, I, I've just received some updated information uh, that this is a military uh, uh, individual uh, in the National Guard. Um, so all of the things that, that I spoke about, the fact that he is experienced in using firearms, um, that's a long rifle. It might be an M4, the, the type that a military um, a soldier would carry. Uh, he's been trained in tactics, and uh, and these guns are lethal out to hundreds of yards. So um, I, I would be very interested to hear where the vehicle was located. Uh, if, if he's made it into the woods, that complicates things at night. Uh, the offices up there probably won't have night vision equipment readily available to them. Uh, so they'll try to lock down an area and, and wait for, uh, for daybreak to, uh, to conduct a, a hard search of the ground there. Uh, now, he may be in a populated area. I, I don't, uh, I'm not sure. I know he has ties in southern Maine from what I'm hearing from police sources. So uh, they, they're searching really hard for him. And I'm sure that uh, everybody in Massachusetts, uh, New Hampshire, uh, Maine will be rolling towards this to assist um, law enforcement in 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 uh, in Maine to try to take this guy, uh, take him down and, and 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 neutralize the threat. And Ed, obviously, you have sadly a lot of experience with uh, a pursuit like this. Uh, we all know what happened around here, of course, back in 2013. Uh, the lookout for the marathon bombing suspects in the middle of the night in Watertown, knowing that they were heavily armed. Uh, situation here where you also have an individual who, in your words, uh, is deranged, out and about. And if you can, tell us about sort of how this sort of unfolds now. The next couple of hours, you're saying they're sort of waiting for daybreak. Uh, how do you even pass those hours knowing that there's the possibility that he is on the move and to know that the danger is not over yet? Right, so they'll be dealing with a logistics problem. Uh, there's a very sophisticated national incident management system that I spoke about earlier. However, uh, there will be a flood of police who are, in some cases, self-deploying. There'll be police officers uh, all around the area that will be flooding into the area to, to try to help. And so besides managing the assigned officers who will have the radio frequencies and the coordination necessary uh, to launch a, a major search like this, uh, the police officials will also be dealing with people that are coming to help who aren't specifically assigned. Uh, so, so think of this as a, as a major logistics problem um, the area where the suspect was last seen, where his vehicle is, is going to be flooded with police. And that's going to be the focus uh, for uh, the deployment of hundreds of officers. Um, it's going to be critical for the people on the ground. And I remember this very well in Watertown, um, setting up sectors and, and coordinating uh, perimeters so that you try to get the person uh, in, a, in a particular area, like we saw in Pennsylvania recently, uh, so that they can't they can't escape uh, a, a hard perimeter. Although the more experience the individual has in military tactics, 
the harder that is to accomplish. So this is a very, very difficult task right now uh, for, uh, for a relatively rural police agency. Ed, with all of that in mind, how likely is it right now that they are also bringing witnesses into this investigation and even family members of this suspect or people who may? Well, of course they are. Of course, they can do everything possible with this investigation. But that's a retired uh, uh, police commissioner of Boston, a really uh, smart guy, uh, one of the police chiefs across the country that they always go to in these situations because he's been through this with, um, of course, the Boston Marathon bombing. Uh, that's where we first heard the term shelter in place. Now we're hearing the term perimeter. Lock down the per but we don't, where, how do we know? What is the perimeter right now? Do we know where he is? Do we know where he fled to? We don't. Perhaps the police do, Phil. Absolutely. Uh, they have to, uh, you know, err on the side of caution. I'm glad the schools are closed. Uh, I think everybody has to take a little bit of a step back today in that area. Uh, we don't know what the perimeter is. They haven't announced the perimeter. However, anything within a, a probably a five or 10 mile range of where that car was found, that vehicle that he supposedly fled in, I guess that would be a good starting point for a perimeter to lock down that area. Again, uh, we don't know exactly what they have. We're not on the inside of this case. Perhaps they do have a better idea. And again, I think um, uh, in that last interview, the, the police commissioner from Boston was talking about, um, you know, uh, it being dark uh, presented even more of a challenge. Now that it's daylight, uh, I think the searches could be a little bit uh, more fruitful uh, from the air, perhaps. And again, uh, don't forget, this guy does have a long rifle. Um he could shoot from great distances, so uh, those uh, the the air power has to be uh, cognizant of that fact too. God forbid, uh, you know, a, a helicopter searching an area or in a plane, he could take shots at that. So uh, a lot of moving parts to this whole uh, situation based on the experience of this individual, uh, Mr. Card. So uh, there's a lot of uh, concern, but I'm sure that they have a good handle on it. Robert Carroll, uh, <clears throat> good point. The one question I haven't heard on social media, does he have a wife, a girlfriend, or exes? Good question, but, you know, all of, pe all of the people that have any relationship to him, you can bet your bottom dollar that they're being interviewed right now by police. 100%. They're, they're not going to let any stone uh, be left unturned. They're going to dig under every single rock. They're going to find out every single thing about this guy they need to know to give them a bead on where he possibly fled to what did he say before this occurred what was he talking about did he tell anyone friends family members as you said uh what was his behavior like at work at his job we don't know if he has a job what his job was we know he taught he was a firearms instructor but was that his main job he was in the reserves so we need to speak to anyone that even knows this guy, has any contact with this guy. What were his habits? What did he do day to day? What were the locations he frequented? We need to know all of those things because, and again, the investigators are doing that right now. So it's not nothing that I'm telling you that is not what the investigation is going to do. And what they uncover through speaking to people, speaking to his family, <clears throat> going to a big dive into 
his computer, his cell phone, all of those things. See if he was posting things on social media, um, looking at just do a complete computer background on him, vehicles that he owns, homes he may possibly own, relatives he has in the area and outside the area. Uh, all of those things you can bet that law enforcement is doing right now. Billy, one other thing. I, uh, you know, they, they talked about that he had mental health <laughs> issues. I would want to speak to a uh, psychiatrist, psychologist, anybody that treated him. Now, there are HIPAA laws in place where you're not supposed to discuss a conversation between a patient and a doctor or a healthcare professional. However, in a situation like this, I would go to them and say, listen, is there something that he spoke about, a location, something that he had a beef with, something that uh, he talked about with regard to getting even with, uh, something that upset him? Uh, even though uh, those are uh, privileged conversations, perhaps a mental health professional could put law enforcement in the right direction on something like that. Um, one of the other things that you just talked about, uh, did, does he have like a place where he would go uh, for vacation, like a hunting lodge or a location where he would go with friends? Those are the things that I think uh, people, uh, police and law enforcement would be zeroing in on. But again, uh, we want to get an idea of his state of mind before this incident took place, his state of mind since the summer when he was uh, allegedly, uh, you know, in a, a mental health facility, <clears throat> excuse me, for a period of time. Those are the things that might uh, provide and be fruitful for the investigation to find out what's uh, uh, the reason that he did this act and where he may be going or where he may have also had, uh, you know, a, uh, a a problem with what location that he had, uh, you know, could be targeting. There could be another location that he could be targeting. You know, Phil, you mentioned uh, the mental health professionals that may have treated him. I think this would uh, sort of um, excuse confidentiality. If someone had indicated uh, that they were going to hurt somebody, they're going to kill somebody, or he actually has killed somebody. And I think that a mental health professional at that point can probably relax confidentiality. I could be wrong if there's any therapist in, because this, I think, uh, supersedes his right to privacy. 100%. 100%. So I don't think that, that any mental health professional... There's an ethical standard too, Billy. This is a madman on the loose. And I would think that what you just said is probably correct. Perhaps it could be relaxed. But I would think that uh, ethically, if you have information as a healthcare professional, that being this guy's doctor or this guy's therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever it is, and you have uh, vital information that could lead to uh, the location of this individual, then I would think that, uh, yeah, uh, there's an ethical line that you have to uh, come across and you have to say, let me come forward. Let me give the information to the law enforcement, to the authorities. Uh, you know, we don't want to see any more uh, victims in, in, in this situation. And I think legally, like you said, Bill, they'd probably be excused from uh, liability uh, based on the fact that they do have obligation to report if they have information that someone is going to be hurt or if the individual is going to hurt themselves they have an obligation to notify law enforcement. Absolutely. I'm going to play a little bit of this from Fox. Our FBI special agent and ABC SEAL Jonathan Gilliam. Jonathan, the person of interest, Robert Carr, he's a trained firearm instructor believed to be in the Army Reserve Station out of Saco, Maine, had reported hearing voices and threatened to shoot up the military base. He was committed to a mental health facility for two weeks uh, this past summer. Uh, and is, of course, considered armed and dangerous right now. When you hear a description like that, what goes through your mind? 
Well, I think uh, the law enforcement has a real challenge at this point um, for a couple of reasons. Um, if this individual is delusional um, and has some training as is being uh, shown in the way that he's carrying the weapon and in the background, if this is in fact the individual that they're that they're looking for, um, uh, this delusion uh, that he has seems to have extended past one location which is typical for most people who have this type of a delusional attack and carry it out. So this individual is continuing his attack to the second location and then actually fled. So what that shows is that he is aware of what he's doing and he now has a will to live. So that type of an individual, uh, from what I've seen, is somebody who's more likely to fight back or continue their killing spree as they try to escape further. Jonathan, it is 4 a.m. in Maine, pitch black. I don't imagine a lot of searching is being done in the woods right now for sheer safety of the individuals who'd be doing the, the searching. Because like you said, this guy's pretty tactical. This guy could be lying in wait and could ambush these officers. So my gut tells me that law enforcement right now is creating a profile on him in an effort to track him down. Cell phone, family, friends, the mental health facility where he was for two weeks in the summer. Describe this process. Describe what they're doing right now? Well, I would say most likely uh, that they are looking for him in the woods. Uh, a lot of law enforcement tactical units around the country, and I'm sure around that area, have night vision. Um, and they also have helicopters that have access to FLIR, which allows them to see in the dark and see heat. Uh, along with the night vision that the officers may be using and most likely are using. So while that search is continuing, they're also looking at the cell phone usage, um, what towers that that cell phone might be pinging off of if he is in fact using it. And, uh, and so they'll try to narrow down where he's at using technology and using the ability to seek at night uh, and take this individual out, which I will add, is the most important issue at this moment is finding him and stopping his forward movement by either capturing or killing him. So he was driving a 2013 white Subaru, according to uh, the sheriff of the uh, Androscoggin County, county sheriff there. Uh, he said that law enforcement was able to find the car near a boat dock in Lisbon, which is about seven miles southeast of Lewiston, where these two shootings took place. A car was not inside. So they found the car near a boat dock, person of interest, not inside. What does that tell you? You know, Phil, a lot of people in the chat, of course, they found this car near a boat dock there, uh, conjecturing that he had a boat there or he had a jet ski, he escaped to some other location uh, where he possibly hit. But it's all conjecture. There's no fact here. Would that make sense that he would have a plan like that? Yeah, possibly. But we can't report it because we don't know if there's any truth at all to that. I think that last person uh, that you, uh, the last video you played, uh, he made a good point. What's his posture at this point? Was his posture to the, uh, attack these two locations and then go commit suicide? Or was his posture to attack these two locations, go into hiding, try and get away, try to escape? Uh, I guess uh, that's really the question of the day. Uh, what do we think his next move is going to be? And I think that you put up the picture earlier of him 
the way he looked last night. And there was a picture of him clean shaven. I think that's a good idea because we don't know if he does have that posture to try and escape. He does have that posture to try and get away and continue his rampage. He, perhaps he will change his appearance, maybe uh, shave, cut his head, uh, different things like that. Uh, obviously maybe uh, uh, change his clothing. So again, uh, if he really is uh, hell bent on trying to uh, elude capture and, uh, uh, you know, insert himself into the general population, he would definitely have to change his appearance. That's one of the things I think that needs to be considered. Absolutely. Well, again, it shows that he is uh, pursuing his uh, his will to live by getting away from there, or it could be the end of his mental break, and it it may be the case that they find this individual dead by uh, suicide um, as the daylight uh, comes. And I do want to say one thing. What I do hope law enforcement is doing, which is not typical for law enforcement, but is a tactic that they should start using, is where that car is found is not where they should necessarily only start searching from that location out. They should be predicting by how fast you can travel from that location and setting up a perimeter outside there and searching in at the same time. That's a really important point. The fact that this guy targeted a bowling alley, yeah. alley on a crowded youth night, no less. He also targeted a restaurant. What does that tell you about this individual? And quite frankly, Jonathan, his willingness to continue this horrific spree. Well, it's interesting because in 2018, uh, an individual took off all his clothes at 3 a.m. and went into a Waffle House and shot and killed several people before escaping in Nashville, Tennessee. And what is the similarity here? It is that if somebody is delusional, they will still be able to pick out where a soft target is because a soft target is where, by definition of what that facility is, I mean, what their business is, it's going to draw in a group of people, sometimes large or a medium-sized group of people, a bowling alley, a restaurant, a bar at, at uh, 9 o'clock or 6 o'clock at night um, is not unlikely to have a lot of people there because that's around dinner time, and it's when people are, if they're going to go bowling or have fun, that's where the night begins. That's where he struck. He either knows those places or he just saw them as targets of opportunity because they were the soft targets. And people need to start realizing that even somebody who's completely delusional can identify where a location is that they can get the most bang for their buck. Well, our reporter David Spun said on an email earlier saying the FBI has three satellite offices in Maine and Augusta, Bangor, and Portland. Agents from those offices likely all hands on deck. Uh, the Boston FBI office also said that they would be willing to assist in any way they can. So, Phil, basically what we know about this, of course, uh, the the hunt is on. And it, this has gone from, uh, you know, the active shooter incident to the search for a wanted fugitive, a very dangerous uh, wanted fugitive, a trained wanted fugitive. And again, all law enforcement agencies, uh, FBI, you hear different offices, the Boston office, the office from Maine, they'll probably get the ATF in there. Of course, fugitive enforcement. They're going to learn everything they possibly can learn about this individual. Uh, and the hunt is on. Until they capture this guy, and I know we're repeating things, but this is the nature of this case, is that no one can go about their life until this guy is apprehended in this little community. 
because the schools need to be locked down. Uh, some stores apparently do need to be locked down because this guy is a very dangerous guy. And who knows if his carnage is over? Yeah, I have to agree with Jonathan Gilliam, uh, that former FBI agent uh, that was just on the uh, last clip you played. Uh, the uh, area where the vehicle was found, I talked about that earlier. There should definitely be a perimeter, maybe five, 10 miles out from there, uh, you know, uh, from last night. Again, video cameras in the area could see possibly, did he have a second vehicle, leave the one vehicle there, escape on another vehicle? I, I'm sure that there's going to be a uh, uh, the local law enforcement will be perusing video in that area to see if he did escape on foot, if he escaped in another vehicle. That's going to be very important. And the, the real problem that presents itself here, let's say he goes into the woods and, woods and he shoots himself. Now he's down. Uh, the search is going to be very complicated because we don't know if he's alive or dead. So those offices that are going to be doing searches in, let's say, a wooded area or some area that's uh, uh, you know not very populated, very difficult because if he has a, a point where he could be uh, – you know, far, far away with that rifle. They have to search into that area. He could pick them off. It's a, a, a tr uh, creates a, a tremendous challenge in the in the search for this individual. Uh, a, a lot of moving parts to this thing. We do know a lot about this guy at this point. Uh, however, uh, till he's found, located, uh, it's going to be a difficult uh, a period of time. And you're right, uh, the, the lockdown of the schools, lockdown of the area, I think is all very, very important. Well, you see, this is the bar, Shemengi's, and that was the second location. The first location was the uh, bowling alley, which he, uh, last night at 6.56, he uh, entered that location. And then 14 minutes later, he went to Shemengi's bar, which apparently is four miles away from the bowling alley. So he was on a mission. He targeted these two locations, there's no doubt, uh, and then he he shot people in there and then fled. And the last thing is they found this car uh, near the near this lake, this body of water. And that's the last time he was seen. We always think of things like because we're investigators of video, video cameras. Was there video at the location where he dumped his car? Does it show where he left, where he fled to? Uh, is there any other tracking devices potentially? Does he have a cell phone on him. You never know. These people uh, sometimes don't think of everything. And he potentially, he could still have a cell phone. And that's, of course, we know, uh, and you true crimers know, that's a tracking device. 100%. So all of these things are part of the investigation. And these are the, all the questions that we have as per this investigation. I would think, Billy, if he uh, does have a cell phone, uh, they would have been up on it last night. And uh, if there was movement on it or locations, I think that that would have, uh, you know, uh, led them to his location. Uh, I mean, listen, I don't know for certain. I don't have the in inside track on the case. I'm not part of the inv actual investigation. But you would think in this day and age, the technology, you could probably get the location of the cell phone rather quickly in a situation like this. Again, uh, could he have turned it off and then he's turning it on if he needs to uh, get an update or something? That's also a possibility. Legal-minded friends, Karen Cole. Bill, can you tell from his outfit how much ammo he had? No, but I could tell that he had other magazines. He was wearing what's what's known as tactical pants, and if you look at the the this photograph here, those big pockets, it appears that he has other magazines in the those pant pockets. So that's a scary thought. So he was definitely 
that shows, of course, premeditation, planning. Uh, so again, I can't guesstimate how much ammo he had on him. However, he had other magazines on his body, and that looks pretty clear based on what he was wearing. People had always asked, it doesn't appear based on his girth and his size that he was wearing body armor. Uh, it doesn't appear that he's got a vest on. And uh, he could have a very light vest that would fit underneath that sweatshirt and you wouldn't see it. But if you look at this, usually if you're wearing body armor or a vest, uh, you look quite a bit heavier than you normally would look. So it doesn't appear that in, in these photographs that we have, that he's wearing body armor. Would you agree with that, Phil? Absolutely. I think if you look at those two photos, uh, it, you know, like you said, some body armor is very thin. Perhaps he does have something under his uh, under his sweatshirt there, but it doesn't appear to be. But if you look at his legs, uh, the pants look like uh, like a cargo type pants, and uh, it appears there's uh, some bulkiness on both sides. Perhaps uh, with military background, you would think, uh, you know, military you go into combat, you always keep uh, extra clips of rounds, uh, at the ready. So again, uh, with his military background, his military training, that would probably be standard operating procedure for him. Uh, we don't know how much access he had to ammunition and firearms. Apparently he did have this firearm that we know about, uh, again, investigation down the line to see how he, uh, attained that firearm, uh, where he got it from and uh, how he was able to secure, uh, ammunition and, and things like that. That's going to be down the line right now. Focus, get this guy, take him out. Uh, uh, you know, stop the threat. Uh, the, the, this community where, uh, where, where this is all taking place, they're probably on a high alert, uh, super lockdown. I mean, if you think about it, if you live close to where this is going on, how could you even, uh, get in the car and take a ride to the store to go buy a cup of coffee or, uh, you know, a container of milk, uh, when this madman could pop out of the woods and, and start shooting after a mass shooting. The victims were at a restaurant and a bowling alley when they were gunned down. Several sources say more than 50 people were hurt. There have been no arrests so far, but police have named a person of interest, Robert Card, 40 years old, who is considered armed and dangerous. Here is the alleged gunman captured on surveillance footage as he entered the bowling alley. We have that video. There you go. Um, our Elaine Keanu is in Lewiston, where people are being told to shelter in place. Elaine, good morning. Good morning to you, Anne-Marie. And it's not just residents of Lewiston who are being ordered to shelter in place. It's people in the entire surrounding county. Now, as a precaution, multiple schools and businesses have been closed today as well. And residents are being told to clear the streets as hundreds of police officers work around the clock to track down that person of interest. We have an active shooter. We have multiple injuries. Shortly before 7 p.m., bystanders, young and old, fled for their lives Wednesday night after a gunman opened fire at a bowling alley in Lewiston. Maritime recreation for an active shooter incident, multiple people down. After reports of the shooting, police released these photos of a man walking into the bowling alley and pointing an AR-style weapon. Snowman night of bowling, and out of nowhere, he just came in, and there was a loud pop. This witness says he was inside the bowling alley for just 10 minutes when shots rang out. I just booked it um, down the lane and I slid basically into where the pins are and climbed up in the machine and was on top of the machines for about 10 minutes until the cops got there. 
Police also released this image of the person of interest's vehicle in a parking lot. Its driver's side door left open, which police later recovered nearly 10 miles away in Lisbon. We have a second one, second active shooter, Shwangis. Police said they responded to a second location at a bar and restaurant less than four miles away and then released this image of 40-year-old Robert Card as a person of interest in the pair of shootings. PD on scene, but the suspect is still at large. According to a Maine law enforcement bulletin seen by CBS News, Card is a trained firearms instructor believed to be in the Army Reserve based out of the city of Saco, Maine. He recently reported mental health issues and threatened to shoot up the National Guard base there. He was committed to a facility for two weeks over the summer. We have uh, literally hundreds of police officers working around the state of Maine uh, to investigate this case to locate Mr. Card. We'll continue to gather information so that we can bring uh, the suspect to justice. As the search for Card continues, dozens of victims flowed into the local hospital system, which could quickly become overwhelmed. I've heard people that down there by the doors that have family members in there. There was a girl down there with five people all got shot up and they're like frantic while others gathered at a nearby middle school in Auburn, hoping to reunite with loved ones who were caught in the shootings. This is a happier place right now in the entire area where people, you know, witnesses saw traumatic events are coming together with their family and loved ones who were worried to death about them. And they're coming together, so it is happy. But on the flip side of the happiness, what you're seeing is you're seeing the, the turmoil and the trauma that they're going through, especially the witnesses. Now we are still awaiting additional details and Anne-Marie, we hope to learn more at a news conference. Well, you know, Phil, it's, it's so, it's so heartbreaking. This stuff, uh, a community just ripped to shreds by this, uh, right now there's 18 families that have lost loved ones. Eight of them, as we were told in the press conference that have been identified 10 that weren't identified. So could you imagine, uh, you have a family member that hasn't come home and you are waiting for them to identify your loved one. Just unbelievable. The torture of that, the sadness of that, this community, uh, we heard the governor speak about, it's a strong community. It's a close knit community and just fractured by this senseless act of violence by a, a you know, a mental patient who was a firearms instructor, just somewhat, baffling and, and difficult to believe and scary. Uh, and until law enforcement apprehends this guy or we find out he committed suicide or they take him out. Uh, and someone asked in the chat, um, will law enforcement shoot to kill? Well, they'll shoot to stop him, to neutralize the threat. That's the language we use. We don't use shoot to kill in law enforcement. Uh, so they will shoot to neutralize and to, uh, to get rid of the threat. And, um, but until, uh, Lisa Forte, yes. And, and, uh, 13 people injured and we don't know their wounds and could one or, or more of those 13, uh, God forbid also succumb to their wounds. And we pray that they do not, we pray that they, they heal quickly and that they, uh, they don't have life threatening wounds. Just to recap a little bit, uh, because we're, we're going to go off the air now, 18 people dead in Lewiston, Maine at two separate locations, 13 wounded. Uh, 
we'll keep on top of this case as new information arises. Right now, all we could say is the hunt is on and we have this community of Lewiston, Maine, uh, quite wounded. They're getting federal help. They're getting local help, help from the state, help from other states, and all the law enforcement uh, partners will be on this scene. And they'll be helping to uh, capture this guy, uh, Robert Card, uh, and put an end to this horrific incident that happened in Lewiston, Maine. Phil, your final thoughts. Well, I just want to piggyback what you said. We don't shoot to kill. We are trained to uh, engage the suspect. If he should give up, all well and good. He'll be taken into custody. If there is a threat, you fire and you and you uh, aim to stop the threat. Once the threat is over, that's when you stop firing. That's how we are trained. That's how we are taught. Let's hope and pray that there are no more victims in this case. Let's hope that law enforcement can locate this individual, put an end to his rampage, and keep a good thought and a prayer for the victims and as well as the people that were injured and the families. Well said. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, and with me today was retired NYPD Detective Phil Grimaldi for Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. Have a great day, everyone. Stay safe, everyone. One episode, just